Review code provided by Happy Juice Games. I'm Jared. I'm Marcus. Level with us. Hello and welcome to Level With Us, the show where we have a cozy video game discussion every week. And this week we are talking about Lost in Play, a delightful little point-and-click style adventure developed by Happy Juice Games and published by Joystick Ventures. And uh, Marcus, you and I are both fans of adventuring games because we grew up on games just like this, made by humongous entertainment like Pajama Sam and Putt-Putt and Spy Fox. I feel like those might count as adventure games light because when most people think adventure games, they think of like the 90s one. Oh, they one. think of the really complicated ones like Day of the Tentacle right. and uh, Monkey Island. But the ones we grew up with were the kid ones. Sure. And the reason I brought those specifically up is because I feel like this is more in the style of those mm-hmm. in that it's meant to be kind of a whimsical, childlike adventure yeah. for all ages. Uh, and also it's animated with very nicely designed characters so uh we were very lucky to get a review code for this game so let's let's talk about it marcus you beat it i did uh i i am part way through the game gotcha yeah it's about a i'd say it's like a, a four hour experience four to five hours okay um so it's you know you could play it in an evening and i i guess i'll should i give a little recap on what the the story is what the premise is sure uh, it's a brother and sister who are basically playing pretend and going through an adventure of their own imaginations. And there's no dialogue, so everything is conveyed through graphics and pantomiming and stuff like that, which is, uh, I think it does very well. Yeah, which is a, a really cool limitation that they can teach you the mechanics and uh, various puzzles uh, just through visuals. And I, I compared it to old point-and-click adventures. The thing is, uh, there's no pixel hunting in this game. You actually control the character using the gamepad. And when we got the review code, I didn't. I asked for it for, on Steam instead of the Switch because I figured, oh, I, you know, I've dealt with cursors before on the Switch. I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, Deponia mm. was, a, was a little clunky, you know, when we reviewed that on this show. Um, but it turns out this game was designed with, you know, a controller in mind, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool. So it's it's a pretty simple inventory system where you can pull up uh, whatever you have in your bag at any time and apply it to anything that you can physically walk to. And so the puzzles of the game are usually how do I get to the next screen or how do I solve this problem that's happening on this screen, etc. But unlike classic point-and-click adventures, there's no backtracking in this game. In fact, there's no interconnected world as much as there is chapters. So each chapter will have its own set of dedicated screens. And in some ways, I really like that because it keeps the puzzles from being too obtuse, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, that's that's the problem with a lot of point-and-click adventures is you can't remember right. or don't know what exactly the game wants you to do with this new item you got. But in this one, your options are usually limited 
to a, a very specific space. Yeah, I was actually, I played through this with my roommate and we were talking about how in point and click games, one of the main ways to like scale difficulty, make it more or less difficult is just by amount of items you can have at one time or amount of locations you can be at one time because it increases exponentially the amount of things you could possibly do depending on the amount of things you can interact with and have. So I really appreciated that these were digestible chunks that, um, I mean, as far as the difficulty goes, I would say it's fairly easy. It's pretty approachable, which I love. There were occasionally times where we had to think and figure stuff out, which, I mean, was good enough for it to be a, a, a pretty uh, satisfying experience. This game is really pretty. Um, it has some lovely little character designs and interactions. Uh, there's a lot of frogs. Which, <laughs> side note about frogs, we, we've been talking about the animation style. It actually says on its Steam page that it's an interactive cartoon, basically, and it says that it's inspired by the likes of Gravity Falls, Hilda, and Over the Garden Wall. Specifically those. Yes, it listed those three specifically, which was very cool because I picked up on the Gravity Falls and Hilda vibes, and all three of those cartoons are ones that I think both of us really appreciate, uh, think are, are really cool. So, sorry, that's just a side note. I thought it was uh, interesting to see that those references uh, were ones that I could absolutely see influencing the design of the game. And I love all three of those shows, so uh, <laughs> that makes it especially delightful to jump into this and see uh, something inspired by some other art that I really like. You know, part of me wishes we did have kind of an interconnected world to just explore because of how great the presentation is, but I, I think this you know chapter format works really well in the game's favor um like i said because it it makes things less obtuse but also uh each segment has a really cool puzzle and i i guess there's multiple puzzles i felt like there's one specific like dedicated pu like there's the point and click puzzles but then there's one layton style puzzle right so yeah there are uh point and click style gameplay and then each area has at least one puzzle. I'm not sure if it always is like a one-to-one -one thing, um, but I actually was pretty impressed by the the puzzles. They were probably the the toughest part of the game. Yeah, even even in the first one or two levels, uh, I was I was like, oh, this I can't turn my brain off. These are actually challenging. Right. So I was impressed also by kind of their originality. You know, like I as a puzzle appreciator aficionado. You're a puzzle master. You can just come out and say oh, it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, there are certain puzzle tropes and types of puzzles that you see a lot, um, and I was impressed at how many of these felt like genuinely uh, original, or at least a, a twist on something. And none of them were like so obtuse that it didn't make sense, but none of them were like so simple that, like you said, you can you know, shut off your brain. I said I'm only partway through the game. Part of the reason is I am stuck on a puzzle and I'm too stubborn to click the hint because there is a hint <laughs> system. So luckily, you know, even for hard puzzles, your kids can still get through this game, I think. Yeah. But yeah, lo lots of good things to say about this game. And speaking of good things, let's get into star pieces. Yahoo! This is where we highlight something we loved about the game or a cool little detail we noticed. For me, I want to spotlight the fictional language that the characters speak in this game. Uh, it's its so fun to, to hear them do this little babble. I want to try and replicate it. Maybe I'll just play a clip, but it's kind of, who should go but the say that? I don't know. That, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. That Doesn't was very, work. that was fantastic. No, it's not. That was really good. No, 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 no. You've, you're, you're saying nah, it doesn't work because you're going to cut this out, but you cannot. I thought that was a great take. Uh, 
it's not just, oh, they have a bunch of clips of a fictional language that they can play at any given moment. There might be a few like that, but I noticed they were very context sensitive. There was it's even times where the character would say something in their language and then use onomatopoeia that, that applied to the situation, like swoosh, swoosh, or boom at the end of what they're saying and, and as they gesture. Uh, and I was just really impressed. That meant they recorded these lines with specific situations in mind in the story. And that makes it feel really believable. Mm. It works really well. <laughs> right. It's intended to be that way. Exactly. A, a quick, just a, a itty bitty mini, mini fake fan question for you. Do you know where uh, this studio, Happy Juice Games, is based out of? <sighs> it's it's in Europe, isn't it? No. It's not. <laughs> okay, I don't know then. It's possible that has connection, like the, the creators have connections to Europe. I really know nothing about the studio. I just know that it's based out of Israel. Israel? Yeah. Very cool, very cool. It, it's pretty fun that the game is something that's easy to localize. In fact, I even went to the, on the first screen where you can change languages. Yes. I was just fascinated by how many there was. It was like English, por- uh, Portuguese, Spanish, Chinese, uh, simplified traditional Chinese. It would, had so many languages because there's not too much to localize. They just apply to the menus, I think. Yeah, really, really just menus. Just the UI, uh, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, super cool. Do, do you have a star piece as well? I do. I do. Yeah, there are several running gags throughout the thing. You talked about how it's not necessarily an interconnected world in terms of like actually being able to traverse it, but it is connected in that there are certain characters or bits that uh, keep keep popping up. One of them is at the beginning of the game, uh, a dog chases a cat, and that dog and cat show up everywhere, including like underwater, floating after each other in balloons, rock statues in the background of this ancient temple. So like it doesn't make sense, but I, I really thought that those callbacks made it kind of it kind of gave it a, a cool and sometimes even mysterious vibe. A minor spoiler, but near the end, it kind of turns Fever Dream-esque. Like, it takes everything from the beginning and, like, warps it and twists it. It's kind of a remix of everything you've seen before. Very nice. But for every star piece, there is also a quick jab. And jab! Jab! And this is where we talk about something that we didn't like so much. Um, The thing is, I didn't come prepared with one. There was nothing in my, my short playthrough... Uh, that really bugged me. I, I think mm. it's great. I, I might have like misinput the inventory button a few times or something, <laughs> but not even that is is enough for me to write something down in my notes. So I will take a pass this week. Awesome! I've done it before. That's great. <laughs> great. Sa- save yourself the 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 sadness of critiquing a game and just and stay with happy vibes. I'm gonna save that for Sonic games. Awesome! Love it. <laughs> well, my main quick jab is. There, there's a good dose of fart jokes in this game, and I'm not <laughs> wild about it. Like, I was uh, surprised at how often I was kind of like, ew. <laughs> there were times where I made that sound out loud. I was like, uh. Like, just just a little crude humor, you know? Yeah, I guess it, it really depends on how you, you know, measure these things. And I know it's it's definitely to taste, but my taste is not a fan (laughs) and i think that for some people they would kind of shrug and be like yeah it's like for kids like that's what's entertaining for for little kids but you and i are are more 
uh, puritanical if it isn't clear by this point, and we we are not a fan of doo-doo humor. You don't have to be puritanical to dislike fart jokes. That's true. That's true. Likewise, I know adults who do enjoy fart jokes. It's not really for me, though. <laughs> I also know them, too. Yeah. But I agree, yes. It was legitimately funny and silly in a lot of ways. Just those kind of jokes don't really do anything for me. I, I feel like by saying that, though, I have planted a seed, so you'll have to let me know if they overtly stick out in the rest of the game if you continue to play through it okay yeah i'll uh, I'll, I'll keep that in mind as i proceed through i still i i fully intend to play the entire game um awesome i just didn't get to in time for this episode yeah it's it's a short one i absolutely would recommend it like all games we talk about on the show uh we will include a link to the eShop page or steam page in the description of this podcast so uh yeah look it up and that brings us to Who's the fake fan? Fake fan. This is the quiz portion of our podcast, where Marcus and I try and stump each other with nerdy trivia questions. And I've got uh, a pretty simple one. Uh, We've already been talking about Gravity Falls, Hilda, and Over the Garden Wall because the Steam page specifically lists those. And also, uh, in this game, there are lots of quirky little creatures and fantastical beasts and beings. And uh, I wanted to list a few mythical creatures and beasts and beings that come from those three shows and you have to tell me which show each one is from okay without further ado let's begin with a a simple one uh rock trolls rock trolls are from hilda correct and also i guess frozen (laughs) true but that is uh i don't think that was irrelevant it it may it might have inspired this game i don't know uh grem loblin Grim Loblin is from Gravity Falls. And you can tell because of the funny wordplay. Mm. All right. The North Wind. Oh, that's a tricky one. Uh, over the Garden Wall, but there's also Storm Clouds and Hilda. That's true. So which one? The, the first one I mentioned, Over the Garden Wall. Okay, correct. Uh, a griffin. A griffin. Just a griffin. Just a griffin. Okay. If... If there's a griffin in Gravity Falls, it would have to be like a one-off joke. If it was in Over the Garden Wall, I think I would remember it. So, I, I can't remember any Gravity Falls jokes with Griffin, so I'll, I'll say Hilda. I'm afraid it's from Gravity Falls. But you're right, it doesn't appear for very long, so... Is it a joke? Uh, yeah. It's in the, the Dungeons, Dungeons, and More Dungeons. Uh, it's the one with the hot elf. Okay, I accept that. Uh, Flying Whale... Flying whale? Flying whale. Uh, Hilda? I'm afraid that's incorrect. Uh, The flying whale is also from Gravity Falls. Oh, interesting. Where does it pop up? It pops up during Weird (laughs) Mageddon. I guess anything goes in Weird Mageddon. Okay. Next, Fisher Fish. Fisher Fish. You know, uh, that would be over the garden wall. Yeah. A fish that's fishing. It's not really a, a race. It's just the fisher yeah. fish is how it's credited. Sure. So, uh, Okay. And then last one, dragon. Not dragon, dragon. D-R-A-W? Or? No. D-R-A-U-G-E-N. Okay. That's got to be Hilda because it's a weird, vaguely Nordic spelling. Correct. Yay. That is from Hilda. The dragon are kind of like zombies. Um, oh. Oh, actually... Yeah, that that's the name for Norse zombies is 
the dra- Draugar is what they're well, called. Dra- in North- yeah, Draugr is what you call them. I only know that from playing God of War, but uh, yeah. Gotcha. But good job. Yeah, you got the vast majority of them. We're going to give it to you. Well done. You're not a fake fan of those awesome. shows. You said you said that was simple, and I thought that that was uh, that was a good one. Good stuff. You stumped me on some. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was fun. Are you ready for my uh, fake fan for you? Yes, sir. Cool. I think I've even talked about this before on the podcast, but point-and-click games are notorious for difficult point-and-click puzzles, uh, especially in the nine, 90s. Uh, so... I pulled up a couple of the most frustrating or infamously difficult puzzles. Each of these is either true or I made it up. And I'm going to go through each of them and you guess whether this is a real obtuse puzzle or if I just made it up. Make sense? Uh, okay, sure, yeah. Okay, yeah, so, so each of these could be real or fake. First one. Gabriel Knight 3, Blood of the Sacred, Blood of the Damned, uh, has a puzzle where to impersonate a detective, you stick a piece of masking tape on a shed, startle a cat so it runs past and leaves fur on it. Then you use a blob of maple syrup to stick the cat mustache to your upper lip. Finally, you use a magic marker to draw a mustache on the detective's stolen passport photo because, oh yeah, the detective that you're trying to impersonate doesn't have a mustache. That's really funny. Um, what did you call this game again? Gabriel Knight 3, Blood of the Sacred, Blood of the Damned. And you didn't make up any of the game titles. None of the these games are all real. One okay. of the uh, at least one of the puzzles is fake. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say real. That sounds very contrived and very funny and very real. Correct. Yes, this is real and it cracks me up. <laughs> and that that's not even as convoluted as it is. There are other aspects to the puzzle, but I just think you have to draw a mustache on the ID is hilarious to me. Oh, yeah, totally. All right. You got it. Next one. In Broken Sword, the Shadow of the Templars, you must get into a castle by passing by an angry goat. Every time you try to get in, the goat butts you back. So you must let the goat butt you and then interact with a usually uninteractable thing of farm technology while the goat is retreating to its original position in order to get the goat's rope to get tangled into the machinery. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds plausible, uh, but let's say fake. I think you made it up. Nope, that's a real one. It's the infamous goat puzzle, as people call it, because no other puzzles in the game, apparently. Both of us have not really played any of these, I think. But I hear that it's the first puzzle where time is a part of it. There's a dimension of doing something quickly, which threw a lot of players off and made it a difficult puzzle. Yeah, that makes sense. There is kind of a time-based puzzle in uh, Full Throttle by Double Fine. Uh, where you have to do something in time before a, a rabid junkyard dog comes after you. And that, that was kind of hard because I was used to puzzling things out one at a time. But it's like, oh, dang, I got to be on it for this. So, yeah, makes sense. All right, next one. King's Quest V was notorious for having multiple unwinnable situations. For example, the so-called infamous sweater puzzle requires the player to hold onto a rusty nail from early in the game rather than throw it away into a readily available trash can. Hours of gameplay later, you need the nail to snag an old woman's sweater, steal the yarn, and use it to fashion a bear trap. If you threw away the nail, you're out of luck. 
You use the yarn to fashion a bear trap? Yeah. I'm I'm paying more attention to your tone of voice. You know, these games always turn into mental games. It's 4D chess with us too, because we we are right. we're generally pretty good about telling if each other is bluffing. And well, I, I don't know if we are. I think both of us have shown in previous podcasts that we're actually pretty good at making up garbage. <laughs> you are. Uh, no, no, you wait, are too. You, do, do you remember Elden Ring lore? I think that. Every single time I was like, you know what? I think I like the lore better that Jared came up with than was actually made for Elden Ring. I'm glad. I, I mean, I, I feel very flattered about that, but... Um, oh, man, I'm, I'm terrified. I... Yep, there's a lot on the line here. <laughs> it, it is. So I don't want to be a fake fan. Uh, true. True. Yarn bear trap sounds weird, so it must be true. I made that up. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it, but why? Why didn't I say it? Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. What is true about this is King's Quest V did have multiple unwinnable situations. There's a, a part where a cat is harassing a rat, and if you don't save the rat later in the game, you're trapped in like a prison or something, tied up, and uh, you just die there in the game and unless you freed the rat who comes over and chews the ropes. Wow. So if you saved it all past the, the cat rat interaction, then you just can't beat the game. Crazy. Yeah. Wild. Alright, here's the last one. In Escape from Monkey Island, to rob a bank, you must stretch prosthetic flesh from a prosthetic limb store over an empty manhole to create a trampoline that you use to get into the bank. I'm going to say true. Okay. Prosthetic cool. flesh sounds like something that Tim Schafer would find very funny. So I'm going to say true. All right. You got it. And it is so weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, good job. Uh, thanks, thanks for playing. Yeah. Well, before we move on to our final segment, uh, I always like to talk about who is this game for? Like, who who would this game appeal to? And uh, I want to say, like, hardcore point-and-click enthusiasts, um, if they're looking for something breezier. But really, I think this is better suited to uh, kids and adults, mm-hmm. like myself, who enjoy animated cartoons way more than live-action shows. Um, this appeals to my sensibilities. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? Who do you think this appeals to the most? I think this is a good family game. I think this is a good game that, like, a parent could play with their kid, like, let their kid kind of be in the driver's seat or vice versa if they're not young enough to really control it. But I actually really enjoyed playing this with my roommate because occasionally one of us would kind of figure something out that the other person was struggling with. And it, I think it made it go faster and also was just fun to be like, oh, I know what we're doing here. So I feel like it'd be a similar uh, fun thing to do with uh, kids or a significant other. So yeah, Well said. And we need more of those. We need more games where you can play along with your kid you know yeah uh all right let's get into our final segment which is rabbit holes <laughs> this is the open mic night segment <laughs> of our show if you will where we get to uh recommend something to each other or to the listeners and uh, the thing i want to recommend this week is uh well to preface this i've told a lot of people it's good to have a podcast because it lets you talk about whatever you want you know, it's like I think more people need a podcast, even if it's one that no one listens to. You're making it sound like podcasts are therapy. They are. They are. <laughs> they can be. 
I've noticed a lot of friends have asked to be on the show because it's it's just fun to talk about games. Um, and I'm kind of at a point in my life where I almost enjoy talking about games more than I do actually playing them. So my rabbit hole for this week is the GG app. My friend recommended this to me last week, and after getting started, I ended up spending almost three hours in one sitting going through it. And it's basically, uh, it's kind of like Letterbox, which is an app for like ranking and reviewing movies and just keeping track of what you've watched. Um, my, fr- my friend, oh, Dallin, who was actually on the show in our Metroid episode, so I can say his name, um, he recommended it because he wanted a game diary. He wanted to remember all the games he's played. And I've realized I kind of need one too, especially because we do, you know, game of the year episodes on this show. So, um, yeah, it's just really addicting to see a bazillion thumbnails of games you've played and rank each one. Um, give each one a rating, you can review them, you can put it in a backlog or on a wish list, or you can say that you've played it or complete it, completed it or are currently playing it. Um, and I am going to include a link to my GG profile in the description of this podcast. Uh, go follow me there, go download the app and follow me, and I will follow everyone who follows me. Because I would love to see what our listeners are playing. Um, and it's probably a lot easier than you know writing us an email. Or sending us a tweet is just uh, having fun making your own rankings. Uh, I have several lists, like my top Mario games, top Zelda games, top 15 games of all time, um, which we put a tweet out for last week. Uh, spoilers, number one is a short hike, of course. But in some ways, the order doesn't matter as much as just putting all your favorite games in one spot and looking at the color palette of all the thumbnails. It's very nice. Marcus, please get on this. Get in on this action. I want to see your rankings. Yeah, well, Jared, while you were while you were speaking, I, I finally downloaded it. Yes, so I I have done Follow it. Me. It has happened. I will I will view yours and possibly even make my own. It is helpful to go through a friend's list because then you can rank each one that they remembered that you might have forgotten. Sure. So that's my rabbit hole for the week. Very cool. Floor is yours, Marcus. Awesome. I don't know. The, the main rabbit hole that I've gone down is I've just been playing some Hearthstone again, that card game by Blizzard uh, that's on iOS and PC and, I don't know, maybe other places. And, you know, it's it's pretty quick and breezy. It's kind of like, it's. I mean, like, a lot of people compare it to magic, but it's sort of its own thing in several ways. Uh, and there's just something really fun about finding synergies between cards, like putting together a, a cool combo that works well and i know that we've talked about that in terms of deck building games so uh if if people are sharing their their ggs i would actually love to ask people for other games where you kind of get that thrill out of trading card game deck building element of like finding something that like works really well and finding synergies if anyone has like examples of of those kind of games whether it's deck building or trading card game things i would love to hear about it yeah absolutely i'm always looking for my next slay the spire or dicey dungeons um it doesn't have to be a deck builder but you're right something with really cool synergies um i marcus i think i could recommend dead cells to you have you played that one yet i have played a little yeah okay i know there are just like in hades there are different uh buffs you can get throughout your run Mm -hmm. that could potentially synergize and create a really interesting and cool build Ooh, yeah, Hades is actually a good pull because by the end of a run, you kind of feel 
god tier because you've got like all of these power-ups that play into each other, which is very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, the time has come for us to sign off. So thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, I'm Jared. I'm Marcus. And we'll level with you then. You know, I, I've done sound design where it'll be like grassy field. And I'm like, oh, this is actually really nice. This fits the scene perfectly. And then a little uh, a fly or a bee will go right next to the binaural uh, microphones. Uh-huh. And I'm like, it, like, even with speakers, not even headphones, it's enough for me to like go. It's really unpleasant. You don't like hearing a, a bug in yeah. your ear. I feel the same way about eating sounds. Where it's like, you need to put eating sounds into a scene, but just, uh, ooh, ooh. It's like, mm-mm, <laughs> nope. Even if you like ASMR, I don't know why anyone likes those sounds. I don't I don't get ASMR, I really don't. I like, um, like, vibin' videos, you know, just, like, relaxing music or sound effects or background stuff, but I like the ASMR of being right next to the mic. And... Eating, eating celery, like, it, why would you, like, in imagine in real life, if you're like, hey, could you please eat that celery slowly and sensually next to my ear? Ugh. It's like, gross, gross, no. gross. No, go away. No thanks. <laughs> Get out of here, Jared. Gosh. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> just, just let me. <laughs> I, I can't. I cannot replicate celery with just my mouth.